Welcome back to episode two of The Fran Maid's Tale. This week we're talking about the second part of The Handmaid's Tale and the characters as well as the essential themes. In these last couple of chapters, we really got to see a bunch of character development, especially from Alfred and many of the other characters in the book. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think when talking about characters, it's important to bring up Alfred first, being the main character. Um, right at the beginning of what we read, we did we did find out more about Luke and her daughter and how um they purchased like fake passports um and that they told like their daughter they were going on a picnic and like gave her like some type of drug so that when they crossed the border they wouldn't be questioned um and how they didn't really bring anything with them and we also saw how um Arvid's daughter did get taken because she was like making noises or whatever and just how much like Alfred still has this love for Luke and that like she really doesn't know where he is and she doesn't know if he's okay and like she's developing but she's also like reminiscing on her past and like that's affecting the way that she's like unfortunately the way that she has to live we see like more and more of her emotions in this way because we can see her past life and her history with Luke and especially her daughter, having witnessed uh, her being snatched away right in front of her and not being able to do anything about it. And we see throughout the chapter how she reminisces again and again, and it forces her to act out of character, um, especially when around um, Nuke, the, uh, well, no, Nick, Nick the cab driver. Yeah, because the- him and her definitely have like a type of connection. Yeah, and she even says that she still feels guilty about, like, um, wanting to kiss him because she wonders what Luke would think about it. And it kind of shows how her past life is still affecting her current life, even though she can't do anything to get her past life back. Right, and, okay, in chapter 16, I don't know, but this was when they, like, after the Bible reading and everything, when... Offred, um, when the commander, um, is with Offred, and you, I didn't realize that other people were there, like Serena was there. Yeah, that's part of the process, she has, she has to lay down, and everybody's silent, and they all watch as the commander has sex with her, and they just get up and act like it never happened after it's over. Yeah, I, that I thought was, like, not only are you being treated so terribly, you're also having people watch this happen to you, and it's just terrible. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what you were saying, Dave, about um, Luke and everything, and Nick, like, Nick and her definitely have a connection. Like, they kissed, and this is the first time that I've heard a female say that she wants to have sex because she claims that she wants to with Nick and I think that prior to that they use sex to get out of things 
or they're forced into it. Yeah. She also doesn't because of Luke. Yeah, and because of the um, punishments that they would face. Right. What else? What other characters should we talk about? The commander, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, didn't he, like, try to play board games with her or something? Try to, like, have a connection? Right. Yeah, I think he's probably kind of unsatisfied with his relationship with his wife because he has made advances towards Alfred and kissed her and has, like, tried to form, like, an emotional connection with her, even though it's really against the rules. So I think he probably, even though he's, like, the head of the house, he probably doesn't like the rules either. I think he, like, lives within the rules and enforces them, or I guess he doesn't enforce them. But he, like, I don't think he likes the rules either because he's trying to go against them also. Right. Or I just think that he's a terrible guy who wants to not only cheat on his girlfriend in a weird way, but also in a romantic way. (laughs) Yes. Hey, Dave, how do you think about the boys in the novel? I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I can attest to the commander's character, but um, if you were forced into a world like this and you had to perform such a role, I guess it would make it easier to try to make a connection with whoever you're trying to have sex with. Um, For maybe for both of you. So maybe his way of showing sympathy was going around the rules or maybe he just knows that he won't get in trouble for doing it. But at the end of the day, I think that Serena um, has the biggest pill to swallow to watch somebody that you love and having to be like right there while they have sex with somebody else is a, it's a tough witness. I'm not so sure that she loves him very much, though. From what I, from what I've gathered, I feel like she always seems so unhappy and like. I mean, I would be too if you were watching somebody else have sex with your husband or wife. Okay, but, but I'd rather do that than be raped multiple times by somebody. Uh, like that's what the other girls are facing. Like, yeah, as terrible point. as her life is, and how unjust it is and everything like that she is one of the fortunate women like yeah and she doesn't show sympathy like when when the right. ceremony was over not at she all gave no time to rest yeah she's literally which is like horrible considering what just happened um and then janine she was brought in and she's the one who gave birth and that they like they all watched right yeah their ceremony for like how they have birth too is really weird because none of it is private at all like everyone gathers and just watches right i just um i think that kind of ties into the theme of like the woman being like extremely objectified as usual right in what happens with the baby right after do you guys remember oh um well that brings up a good point because also 
that's when you find out a lot about um, Alfred's mom, which we didn't bring up yet, and how she was a huge feminist and she was um, fighting for women's rights when she was younger. Um, <clears throat> she... Yeah. Her and Moira, actually. In the previous yeah. chapters, we found out, like, Moira was, like, a feminist, and they had these rallies where they, like, burnt, like, magazines with women. Right. They did that, but also, you see how Alfred's mom, what stood out was that they said multiple times how she was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, obviously, I don't think that times were like this when... Alfred's mom was younger where like there's like the commander and everything like that and you're forced into things but to see that like she chose to be the single mom right I think how like Alfred Alfred how she didn't really like how her mom would always fight with her about like these kinds of issues I think she's a lot more appreciative that her mom had the freedom right to be a single mom and to revolt if she wanted to, because even though she didn't like fighting with her, she wishes that people had that kind of freedom now, and she misses her mom in general. And it might be like a small thing, but I think that's starting to rub off on her because she's starting to do things that she's not supposed to do. Like she left her room to go get like a daffodil and put butter in her shoe to use as lotion because there's no feminine products around. So that might be like a small character development that's starting to happen. And I think what is terrible is that they, so like obviously the way of living there is not a healthy way of living one bit and that many babies are born with birth defects. And like, it's a thing that like, they all sit around and like, will like look at the baby like clearly and be like, oh, okay, no visible birth defects. Like you did a good job and like clap. Like, Come on, like, that's not the woman's, like, like, she can't control what's happening in her body to the baby. No, and I think it, like, it shows how bad the um, living conditions are for the woman because it says that the birth defects are, like, a result of, like, toxins in the air or something, which just shows, like, how horribly (laughs) they're living. Right, and then... I don't know who made the comment, but it stood out talking about how um, every time it was like, every time they got their period, they felt as if like they didn't do something correctly and like they weren't successful. And it's like, it's not going to happen every time. (laughs) And I just think like the fact that they're thinking they're doing something wrong is, like, yeah. so eye-opening. But that's, like, taught into them through the um, the aunts. Especially when they first got there and their training or whatever took place. The aunts really cemented the idea that their only purpose was to bear children. And Alfred knew that she had to adopt this mentality if she wanted to survive. But it's, it's like, as the book goes along, like it sounds like she's finding her own personality in this messed up world and doing her own thing. Yeah. 
Right. Um, and let's talk about, um, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. Um, Alfred's friend, Moria, Mora, my bad. (laughs) Um, no one's seen her since. She was in the red center and she like hurt Aunt Elizabeth. I think she killed her. You think? Because she refused to do something, or she lied about no, something. No, no, she. Mora wanted to leave. Yeah, right. she had to escape. So I'm pretty sure she went to she like. She did something with the toilet or something, and she like stabbed her with like a iron rod or something, and she like took her clothes so that she looked like her, and she she left. walked out, and yeah. I mean, we didn't really like left off like. Well, there was, like, one more chapter. But, like, that was, like, close to the end of what we've read. Um, yeah. I think she's, like, a really important character because she's, like, the only person who, out of all the women who refuses to, like, comply to all the rules, and she hasn't stopped trying, like, over and over to escape. So mm-hmm. I think she really is, like, the only one who's like that. Yeah, I agree. I think that they all would. They're just not, like, they're, like, is it worth it? Like, they already live such a terrible life. Like, do they really want to make it worse? Yeah. I don't know what lies beyond the walls. So I think it's also a fear thing. They're thinking, what if whatever's out there is worse than what's in here? Mm -hmm. Most punishment is probably, like, death. Right. Right. And then the, the constant reminder is the people hanging from the wall where they see them, like, all bloody and hung up there. So it's... Yeah. And it's visible. So, I mean, they know what would happen if they were caught, even though that they're women. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think we talked about the majority of the chapter, but the end of chapter... I don't know what it was. It was, like, the last chapter we read. I think we read to, like, 23 or something. Where you already brought it up, Jenna, and I forgot about this, is when the commander and um, Alfred kiss, she she goes back and thinks about Mora and what she did, taking, like, the the metal and, like, killing whether she killed or just hurt. Um, yeah. Right, Aunt Elizabeth. So she states how the next time she comes to see the commander, she, like, almost, like, dreams or, like, imagines about killing him. And I think yeah. that that right there is also another giveaway that Mora probably did kill um, Aunt Elizabeth. But yeah, that's why I thought that. I think it's also foreshadowing, like, what's about to happen. Like, yeah, I agree. More people are looking at more and thinking, like, I need things to change right now. Right. And uh, we get to see more and more into her past, and I don't think the author did that unintentionally. It's showing us that she's been through a lot, and sometimes, like, enough is enough, and everybody has a breaking point. Right, and I think multiple characters are to their breaking point so i think the that next week when we have this conversation it's going to be a lot different 
for sure. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>